What will become of Dawn and Betty? What's gonna happen to Pete and Peggy? For Kate, it's a mystery. For Ashley, a mystery. It's time to hear Mad Women. All right, hello. Welcome to Mad Women. Hello, hello. I'm Kate. I'm Flamingo Jones. Hell yeah, you are. <laughs> and today we're talking about Mad Men Season 1, Episode 8. What's the name of that episode? The Hobo Code. Oh my god, you know what the name of it is? I <laughs> discovered that I'm an idiot. And Don't talk about um, my friend that way. Okay, well, <laughs> I discovered that I am sometimes flighty. You know what, I, you know what it's called? It's, it's called boy looking. Ooh, describe this phenomena. I was boy looking. So, um, you know right. how if you ask a boy to go like, hey, go grab the such and such. And they'll yeah. just walk into a room and let their <laughs> eyes graze across the surfaces. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And not actually like open a drawer or mm-hmm. look under it. Like, that's boy yeah. looking. And okay. girls are just as guilty of right. boy looking. Right? So, I was boy looking yeah. on Amazon. I was like, here's the main screen it doesn't tell me anything Mm -hmm. there can't possibly be other screens that tell me more (laughs) yeah then i discovered that there were that does sound like some masculine nonsense i don't know that's some boy ass looking right there uh the hobo code i just like saying it it's a fun (laughs) phrase uh it is a fun phrase this was a doozy it's a big episode holy i filled Three full pages in this <gasps> notebook. I love it. Would yeah. you like to lead the way? <laughs> well, okay. First of all, yeah. right off the bat. Right off the bat. The sh- the episode opens, the show opens, and mm-hmm. I'm like, Pete still wants to murder everybody. <laughs> He's looking real murdery. Yeah. And if you noticed in that very opening scene mm-hmm. with Peggy, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about. Yes. But... His gun is in the corner. It's in oh, the yeah. background of the shot. Oh, yeah. So He has not lost that yet. They are dropping hints left and right that this is the son of Sam. Yep. I mean, it's only a matter of time before he goes on a, a, a spree. A few years, about, yeah. about a decade. Exactly. <laughs> so, Pete and Peggy, they both come into work early. Peggy's all goofy feeling because her copy is being presented mm-hmm. to Belle Jolie. Mm-hmm. And and she's all dressed up. She's looking mm-hmm. a little fancier than normal. Yeah, not super fancy, but <laughs> she looks nice. She's moving up. She's figuring it out. She is. She and Pete meet in an elevator. Pete is once again doing the domestic work of having to supervise move- movers later. Right. And so there, he's getting in early. Not that he seems to do very much work early. Even when he's supposedly doing work, he's not it's actually doing anything. It's because he's murdery. Oh, yeah. He just... Listen, yeah. <laughs> when, but right before you go on a murderous rampage, yeah. uh-huh. you take some time to just mm-hmm. sit in spaces. Okay. Is this... Right. Ba- what is this based on? Um, it's based on my uh, perception of, of murderers. That, okay. Because they got to get all those thoughts yeah. brewing, and you need yeah. some sort of quiet space. Okay. That is still slightly stressful, mm. right? You don't want it to mm-hmm. be like your calm, happy place. Right. You're not sipping out of a coconut on a beach anywhere. Exactly. Thinking. You're going to the places that make yeah. you anxious and uncomfortable, and you're mm-hmm. letting those feelings brew and bubble and harbor. Okay. Like driving a taxi. Sure. And taxi driver. Like, I've never seen it, but yeah. Well, spoiler alert. He drives a taxi. <laughs> And then goes on a murderous rampage? Uh, kind of. <laughs> I get yes. I guess it's okay. the correct answer to that. I feel like I've brought up Taxi Driver more times in this podcast than I've ever seen Taxi Driver, which is... I don't know how it's become such a touchstone it for had myself. An impact. Yeah, it had an impact on you. So they take, they take the elevator. The only people there are the elevator operator and the, jan- operator and the janitor. The only two African-Americans... <laughs> In the show so far. Yeah. Pete uh, is in his office. Peggy comes in, offers coffee, closes the door. He says, close the door. And she says, there's nobody else here. Close, close the, the door. door. That's right. 
And then Murdery Pete confesses. Can't stop thinking about her. Yep. And then they get down to business on that couch. I mean, just straight up. He goes in for the hair pull. Yes. Yup. I was like, get it. It is. Get it. Very much a power move. Who doesn't love a good hair pull? (laughs) Let's be honest. Peggy doesn't seem to mind. Exactly. Because Mm -hmm. everybody loves a good hair pull. Mm Mm-hmm. So the janitor sees their silhouette and just chuckles to himself and walks off. I loved that. I loved that silhouette. So they finish. Pete confesses he never actually read the copy. (laughs) Right. Tells Peggy that he can't share stuff with Trudy. And Peggy's like, you're not alone in this. Yeah, because Trudy's just another stranger. Just another stranger who made me return a chip and dip. A chip and dip. And now I have this gun that I still haven't returned. I was under the impression he brought the gun back so that he could then take it back to return it. He's gonna go on a murderous rampage. Okay, that's fair. Well, and Peggy asks Pete, Mm -hmm. after they're, like, she's getting all dressed and her little blouse is ripped. She says, do you think about me? Mm -hmm. And he says, I'll be honest. Only sometimes. (laughs) Only every once in a great while when I'm here feeling murdery and also horny. I felt like he was saying that facetiously, as in he thinks about her all the time, but was just jokingly saying only sometimes. I don't think Pete knows how to be facetious. I have yet to see... We're back to our fundamental disagreement about interpreting (laughs) Pete and Peggy's conversations. Yeah. I take him and her much more at face value than... Even though... Being facetious isn't face value. That, that's the exact opposite of face value. I think I just take them as being very much into each other. Mm. And whatever the interpretation that makes them more into each other is the one that I <laughs> assume. <laughs> and you're like, Pete looks at Peggy and just sees like a, she turns cartoonishly into a giant target practice. Uh, yes, exactly. Cut out. Exactly. That's fair. Agree to disagree. But you know what? Now I'm thinking that then the last ep, yeah. where I thought Peggy was all terrified and freaked out by him, which mm-hmm. I'm still not convinced that she wasn't. Yeah. But she did in this ep just be like, oh, you want to murder everything? That's all right. Get in my vagina. Let's do it. So yeah. maybe she's not feeling as cautious as I interpreted last no. time. No. Maybe she's feeling Although, exactly as horny as I interpreted last time. <laughs> because she maybe. totally is. Horny as hell. Maybe. Or it's just the power of the hair pull. She wasn't going to go for it, but he pulled her hair and she was like, well, all right. You're rewriting fiction here. (laughs) Wait a minute. We skipped a whole step, Kate. What were my predictions? Oh, oh my God. Oh, this whole whole episode's off the rails. All these people. All right. This is what you predicted. Ashley predicts that Betty goes on rampage, beating shit out of housewives (laughs) perpetually pregnant patty uh is holding a different small children's piece of clothing okay um is this the one where she was in the background at all of the sites she's just gonna be in the background as yeah uh betty just goes yeah terrorizing the neighborhood yeah just holding like a sock holding a little cap yeah uh you said that don would find a new respect for peggy Mm-hmm. Actually reading the copy and maybe confiding some mi- minor detail to her. There was okay. some there was a little bit of that there. Yeah. 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 Um you said that Pete would start stockpiling weapons for hunting like a bear trap and would hide <laughs> a net in the office that's like hidden by files for someone to <laughs> fall into and get trapped in. Right. I mean, uh, we saw the gun in the background, so yeah. I'm calling that a little bit of a win. That it's still, it's definitely present, for sure. Yes. Roger and Joan would go full dominatrix, complete with ball gag, whips, and high-necked pleather pencil dress mm. with a, <laughs> a brooch of just a handcuffs. Right, is what, right, right. I'm assuming that was what Joan was supposed to be wearing. Right. Uh, and the lingo would be Don saying to Peggy, listen here, see... So, I mean, you pretty much got it. I nailed it. You got... I nailed it. Almost all of those. Great. Ah. Whew. 
Thank you for getting us back. All right, back to back the episode. And All right. End. So we're back to proving me wrong about saying that the switchboard operators never showed up again. But this is a different switchboard operator who was not... Right. But it's still Flo from Flo is definitely still there. Yeah. Kristen Shaw was like, get the fuck out of here, Kristen Shaw. Listen, I miss Kristen Shaw. But also let me tell you, this is totally unrelated except for Kristen Shaw. Uh-huh. The Kristen Shawl is a horse song has yeah. been stuck in my head for a solid four days. <laughs> and I've been trolling Dottie with it, my daughter. Oh, yeah. And then I texted her dad and asked him to also troll her with it and uh-huh. record it and send it to me. Okay. So we've just been out of nowhere very loudly singing uh-huh. the Kristen Shawl is a horse song. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Okay, good. If our listeners don't. YouTube that. Just YouTube Kristen that. Kristen Shawl is a horse. There's not much more to it, but... There's one other line, yeah. <laughs> essentially. Uh, it's stuck in your head. Yeah, it, it's definitely an earworm one. I was going to say, not related, but related to this new switchboard operator, mm-hmm. whose name I still can't remember, but she was a Mad TV cast member and was in my favorite comedy sketch of all time, Can I Have Your Number? <laughs> Oh. Are you familiar with this sketch? No. Oh, oh honey, I'm going to send, send you it that to me. sketch. Yeah. Can I have your number? I have to watch it like once a month, minimum. <laughs> it's the funniest sketch ever written. I'm writing Perfect. it down. All right, good. Right. Yeah, send that to me. Um, so this new switchboard operator is listening to Salvatore talk oh. Italian to his mother. Oh, she is so hot beneath the collar. Oh my god. She can't even handle it. Ciao, ciao. Oh. Ciao, ciao. He's just so debonair. I mean, he is cute. I'll he's, give that to you. He's her. a handsome-ass man. He's a handsome man. And he's European. Like, he's oh. he's not just another Listen, blue blood. If some hot, artistic, mm-hmm. uh, well-off man was speaking Italian, I would also be like, I'm all hot under the collar. Yeah. I'm gonna eavesdrop on your phone calls to your mom. I would absolutely do I'm that. Gonna act, I'm gonna pretend that you had calls that get dropped so that I can make excuses Listen, to talk to you. Listen, if I could eavesdrop on most of the people that I know, <laughs> I would do it. Yeah. I, there are certain... I don't have, like, blanket eavesdropping intentions, but I would, like to read the text message exchanges between certain parties. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, if I can just scroll through yeah. to the beginning of time. Yeah. It's for m- everyone. Not even certain parties. Like, I want to see the text messages between individual members of improv troops that are not to the entire troop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those are good. Those are good. Uh, I would like to see a, a timestamp uh-huh. uh, side yeah. by side. Like, here's what's happening in the group. And yes. at this exact same time, yes. here's what's happening uh-huh. behind the scenes. Yeah, I want that. Yep. Not in any troop that I'm a part of because I'm afraid of my feelings getting hurt. But other troops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not dumb. So so they're they're talking. They're talking... Sal, Joan comes in. Joan keeps like... Flamingo Joan. She's in another pink ass dress. She's in a very pink dress. Um, And there's a couple times in this... Yeah, in this this thing where she's not getting the attention she wants, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, because she brings in some snacks to the ladies to butter Mm -hmm. them up. And then requests that Roger's wife, if she calls... It'll go to her. To patch her right through, which was interesting. Very interesting. And I really... And it's never talked about again. Yeah. I don't actually know what that was about. Yeah. I wrote that down, too. Because that was very interesting. Why would... I wrote, patch straight through Mama Sterling. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I can't... I, I, I don't understand it. Well, well, we could just keep saying we don't understand it to each other for a while, but I don't think we're gonna get. Well, it. maybe it'll maybe it'll make sense in a future app. Maybe, maybe I'll so. make a prediction. Ooh, yes, please. <laughs> I can't wait to see what they've got going on. <laughs> and she calls uh, Sal debonair, but not cheap, because, and it's a funny picture. Like these women are listening to. They know what everyone's voice sounds like, like Joan points out, and they have no idea what they look like. And so instead of saying, he's the one person who's not 
Lily White in this building. Right. Uh, he's debonair. Right. So then we've got uh, we've got Peggy welcoming Don into the office, and she is like so proud of herself for having a ripped collar. Mm-hmm. She's like, I might like start keeping a spare the way the uh, the men do. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. She's starting to earn that strumpet trumpet. She's getting so. right on up there. Yeah, she's into it. But she delivers Don some news that alarms him that Cooper wants to see him and is not with Roger. And so Don's right. like, what? Right. Like, he looks, like, scared. He does look scared. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many times, probably not often, mm-hmm. that Cooper would be like, hey, you. Mm-hmm. Just you for something positive. Yeah. Because, like, the last time... I don't know. There, there was the time he was in the office because he nearly, or he did fire Pete. And right. he got kind of told down. I don't know that that's the phrase. But instead, gives him a, a, just an out of the blue bonus check. A hefty one. Yes. A hella hefty one. Because a five grand is like 38, what did I figure that out to be? Like $38,000 in today's money? Yeah. So you know, that's like 20 grand. Yeah. That's a lot that's of money. That's wild. Yeah. And then... Cooper tells him that Atlas shrugged. Ayn Rand mm-hmm. is the shit. Mm-hmm. And he's also not wearing shoes. He's not wearing shoes, of course. That's a good. <laughs> he hasn't taken off other random clothes, and I don't think he I'm was disappointed. He wasn't peeling oranges in this one, but he did groom a bonsai. Uh, True. Yeah. So. Yeah. But he describes himself and Don like he's saying that they're the same. That they're uh, productive, reasonable, self-interested, unsentimental. My question for you is, what is your familiarity with Atlas Shrugged? Um, I know that it exists in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, about it. I know that people love it or hate it. Yeah. And that it's, you know, it's fairly radical uh, for the time. Yeah. Um, so I read Atlas Shrugged like three times. <laughs> When I was in high school. Of course you did. Uh, I, I now have the very strong belief that if anyone starts reading it after they're 24 years old, you should never speak to that person again. Like, Okay, so I'm not allowed to read it. I mean, I think you would be bored by it. Okay. It's the kind of book that only interests you if you're young or otherwise impressionable. And if you're old and impressionable, then you're a dangerous person and you shouldn't be reading Atlas Shrugged. True. Uh, the Fountainhead, I will... Stand by. It is a different type of book with a different message. Okay. Uh, that's about like artistic creation. Okay. Atlas Shrugged is the the plot generally is all of the producers, all of the people who actually make things, which in this in their version of it is not the workers, it is the CEOs. And the people like the big idea people. Mm-hmm. And they all are tired of the moochers who take without producing. So pretty much any kind of government assistance or anything. Mm-hmm. And so they go on strike. It's And so like that's the title. Atlas carries the world on his shoulders. And there's right. a lot of scenes like, what would you recommend Atlas do? Shrug. So he doesn't have Got to it. carry the world on his shoulders anymore. Right. Um, so that's like the world that Cooper is a part of is he created this and he thinks that Don is like him. Right. And not, not a sentimental person. Don is sentimental. He's hella sentimental. I think a lot of this episode is him reflecting on that being his the persona he's putting out to the world, yeah. but not actually being in line with the way he is. Right. Um, I mean, he is entirely self-interested. Yes. That was spot on, but unsentimental. But I mean, I guess that's, yeah, that's the persona. That's the Don Draper persona he's putting forth, but it's not who Dick Whitman is. Mm-mm. Oh man, we learn a lot about Dick Whitman here. So moving, we're just kind of going through this chronologically. Yeah. Because Lois, our Lois operator, mm-hmm. she visits the art department and sees a uh, squeamy boy, bald boy, and then Devonair. Squeamy boy? <laughs> yeah. Is that a real word that you I've used? never heard it. Squeamy? Okay. So my mom will refer to weak 
people uh, or, or small children or pretty much anything that's little uh, squeechy squeamy, a squeechy squeamy oh, boy. Okay. So that's that's nope, not. That's, that's a Bonita original. What's what's the other word? Did I that I was telling you? That's like a trail. Oh right, I can't remember. That was another Bonita original. We'll we'll get to that. So All there's right. a squeaky squeamy boy, and then there's an older <laughs> bald guy, and Lois is like, you know, I'm not that interested in talking to either of you. But then yeah, Sal, but they want out. her. Oh yeah, of course. Her cardigan was real cute. Yeah. I liked her little cardigan situation mm-hmm. with the cardigan clip. Listen, where does one find cardigan clips in 2020? Because I think they need to make a comeback. I'm going to send you straight to Etsy because that seems like yeah. a very Etsy type it does. creation. I have not seen them. And as a librarian, I resent not having been gifted cardigan clips. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that should they should just be tucked in alongside the Dewey Decimal System. I'm going to pretend that sentence made sense. Uh, So, yeah, so she, you know, makes an excuse to see him and then talks to him a little bit and says, ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. And and he's like, oh, great. Another lady wants to smooch me. Everybody loves Sal. Everybody loves Sal. And that's what the squishy, squeamy guy Mm-hmm. And Baldy, apparently. Yeah. That's what they're saying. They're like, oh, man, everybody loves Sal. Uh-huh. And Sal's like, you don't need money to dress better than you do, Wayne. Mm, right. I wrote that down. That was a good line. Because Sal is always just interested in the way people dress. He loves fashion and looks. And Imagine that. It's it's just what he's interested in. He just takes care. Yeah. So then back yeah. back in Pete's office, Trudy's visiting. She pops by. She does a little a little pop in. Yeah. And How'd... he's a fucking dick. <laughs> he is so mean. He's such a dick. So he's back to being murdery. Yeah. He was murdery and then mm-hmm. he got laid and then mm-hmm. he got murdery again. But let's talk about Trudy's outfit cuz it was real cute. Tell us about it. It was I didn't write white. It. it was a white uh-huh. suit. Okay. With little black polka dots. Very little black polka dots. Mm. And a bright orange shirt underneath. Okay. And I think there was another instance of a cardigan clip holding the jacket together. This episode sponsored by Big Cardigan Clip? I mean, these are the real questions that we yeah. should be asking. Is this like all a guerrilla advertising campaign for cardigan clips? I hope so. Because you know what? It's working. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what Mad Men should have been. It should have been subversive advertising throughout. Yes. I mean, I've started smoking. Same. I've been drinking a lot of vodka. I'm actually recording from Israel right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that would have been a different kind of artsy. But, you know, I would have respected it. I will say I put on some bright red lipstick yesterday. And Mm -hmm. then I blotted with a piece of toilet paper. And I Uh was like, a little basket of kisses. A little basket of kisses. That's so sweet. So it's working. It's working real well. So... Pete yells at her. Trudy's like, let's walk 30 blocks to our new house because that's cool. Yeah, I agree with Pete. That's stupid. <laughs> Who the fuck wants to do that in the middle of the day? Yeah, in your In In August. Suit. Yeah. This was, what day did we watch this? August 18th? Yeah, but we're recording it on August 21st. So that's the day that it's... Okay. Is that... So then that, yeah. so that episode was August 21st, 1960. 1960. Yeah. That's a hot ass day. So hot. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he's an asshole, and she, like, apologizes, because that's how this works. She didn't seem to notice that the gun was still there, but hey. No. No. She's not as perceptive as the rest of us. Right. <laughs> oh, there was a moment when she sits down on the couch, and he go, and it's, like, yes. the biggest, like, Three Stooges moment of the series so far, when he flips that cushion the over cushion. Mm-hmm. in the split second she's not looking. Mm-hmm. It's pretty gross. <laughs> It's just like, it. Yeah. yeah, what did you get all over that cushion, Pete? Mm-hmm. Ooh, gross. Mm-hmm. And why didn't you flip? Why did you wait till right now to flip it? Probably because he's proud. Like, uh, she's, Peggy's proud of her little broken, what do you call it? Collar. That's the correct, what do you call it? 
So then we go to the Beljolie meeting and the men are eating some sandwiches and they give what we know is Peggy's copy that her kiss colors her man. Mark your man. Mark your man. And the Beljolie executive is like, what, we're going to sell one color of lipstick? We got to get 400 more lipstick colors in here. And Don says, I'm not here to tell you about Jesus. (laughs) You either know Jesus is in your heart or you don't. But at a certain point, seduction is over and force is being requested. That's not from that. That was from a little bit later, but I wrote it down. It was a good line. Yeah. It's real creepy. Uh, Oh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Don gives one of his, like, he's not even the guy presenting the copy. Right. He's just there and he, like, tells him, let's go. Get out of the office. He's giving him a what for. Yeah. We're not going to waste our time on you if you don't believe in us. Right. Yeah, the, that whole Jesus thing was yeah. very interesting. I mean, I, it worked, right? He must have known what he was doing. Yeah. Now, were they from Kansas City? Oh, I don't know. Where the that, people came from. I mean, now that you say that, that sounds right, but Let's pretend I did not write that down. Okay, they're from it was Kansas the kind City. Of, <laughs> it was the kind of thing. That Kansas City people do? Well, I mean, it's a more religious environment than Sin City of Manhattan. And it was just, like, interesting for Don to pull that out at that moment. Because we don't yeah. know him to be religious, actually. Right. And he hasn't used that on, you know, when Lucky Strike came in and didn't like what they were talking about. He didn't mm-hmm. use it on them. Though they're clearly Southerners, too. <laughs> uh, right. But, yeah, it, it was it was just an interesting... Uh, the tactic was very yeah. interesting. And came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And he yeah, was he, going hard. He was giving him business. There's a lot of just taking things by force in this episode. That's so true. There is a lot of taking things by force. Mm-hmm. Even that line, seduction is over and force is actually being requested. Mm-hmm. Peggy wasn't going to bone him till she got that good old hair pull. Mm. Yeah. I mean, she may have boned him, but she boned him probably even harder. Once think, you give her yeah. that good old hair pull. It's that kind of thing. It, uh, yeah, just kind of losing control, giving over control. Right. To force. Right. And we should mention that the Beljolie people are an older crotchety man and then a young man in pink. Or a younger man. Was he in pink? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even notice. They yeah. like pink in this show. They do. They really do. So does that guy. So... They all leave and they're all a hooting and a hollering into Don's office and they just kind of go in the office and Peggy's like, the fuck's their problem? They're not even going to talk to me about how it went. I got to go get ice for them. Mm -hmm. But then Don gives her a drink. Yeah, that whole scene was very cute. Yeah. That was very cute. How did he take it? Go ahead before. I loved the go ahead before Joan Holloway sees (laughs) with the drink. (laughs) Yeah. Which is funny because, like, everybody knows Jonah's going to be salty AF. Uh-huh. When it's literally Peggy's boss giving her the drink, right. it's Joan that is the one who's going to be mad about it. Right. And then, yeah, Freddie says to Peggy, home run, ballerina. Which is an interesting, it's like, home run, that's what the men do. You're a mm. ballerina. Like, mm-hmm. it's just a, it's a real uh, heteronormative. Uh, Don't forget you're a lady. Mm-hmm. And then Peggy actually sees the art for the first time. <laughs> she never had seen it. They had changed it since she did it, and they didn't consult her at all, but... Right. Uh, and they won't let her keep it. <laughs> so right. take home. I loved the line. Uh, I forget what she had said to warrant it, but uh, one of the guys said, uh, you're a writer, honey. You're arrogant. <laughs> and then she refuses oh, yeah. the second drink, and they're like, you're not a writer. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think she had said she had said what her original line was and like mm. questioned their change and they were mm-hmm. like oh you are you're a writer because you're arrogant mm-hmm. about that they're having a good old time everybody's happy it just mm-hmm. makes you happy makes you want to drink I I did want to drink uh-huh. so then Piggy Peggy not Piggy goes <laughs> and tells all the switchboard girls and Joan and Joan is like. I'm going out to lunch. Don't wait up for me. And then Peggy mm-hmm. comes in and steals her thunder again. Mm-hmm. And that's when she's got that those... I actually even wrote down pink dress and black gloves because mm-hmm. it was very pretty. It was very pretty. And she is so salty. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just so you know, you're you describing Trudy and Lois's outfits 
it, I might as well have not have ever seen it before. I was like, huh, what a neat outfit they were wearing. I wish I could have, wish I hadn't missed it. Yeah. But you notice Flamingo Joan. Oh, yeah. They keep putting her in hot ass pink. Well, she's a hot ass lady. She is a hot ass lady. Yeah. She's Flamingo Joan. She's Flamingo Jones. Then we get Peggy goes to visit Pete's office and Stan and Freddie, or not Freddie, Stan and the boys, Paul maybe are in there and complimented. And and now they're all planning. They're all going to go to an after party. And I swear when Peggy walks out of that, she's walking like Joan. Like her boobs are up. Mm-hmm. Her mm-hmm. hips are, are showing. She's she like, does a little skip. She does a little skip. It's it so was cute. so cute. Yeah. Yeah, she's feeling herself. She's like, I yeah. got my copy. Mm-hmm. I've convinced all these people to go out and celebrate me. Mm-hmm. I seduced a married man this morning. <laughs> exactly. I'm convincing him to come out. Yeah. And then Lois gets Sal to come out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Peggy, when, when Pete's yeah. like, no, I can't, you know, we're moving. I got to be home. And she's uh-huh. like, well, we're leaving at three. You'll be mm-hmm. done by five. It's still work day, you know. Mm-hmm. So she's definitely yeah pushing in a little bit harder. Yeah, she's open to breaking the rules and being a bad girl. Mm-hmm. And then we visit Don, who goes to see your favorite person. Oh, art bitch Midge. That's right. I love her. I love her. Her outfit was so cute. Describe it to us. Now I'm remembering what it was. <laughs> I wrote that it was so cute. Now I'm re- yeah. I think it was like a... Oh, oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. I was confusing it for a second with her outfit last episode, the, yeah. like, black shorts. But no, this was, like, a crop top, like, peasant top with okay. embroidery. It was, like, white yeah. off the shoulder and kind of, yeah. like, ended at her tummy with uh-huh. embroidery on it. And then, like, a mid-waist down to, like, mid-calf flowy skirt. Mm-hmm. Like, it, almost more 70s than 60s, but still 60s, but <laughs> very cute. That's like, Flamingo just... Joan with always on the alert for anachronistic <laughs> outfits. Especially from Art Bitch Midge. You who do ain't not trust the right her. Bra. Where'd you get that bra from? 1993? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but she's not alone at her apartment. No. She's got a whole bunch of people. And I wrote mm-hmm. when she was like, we've got something much more fun going on. I was like, let's go to Paris. She's like, oh, I've got other plans. I was like orgy here we go <laughs> we're doing it and it's not i was disappointed that's not what it was it's a real bummer. but i was certain <laughs> i was so certain here we go yeah yeah they're not going to paris they're gonna they need to get sit around and get high yeah listen to jazz and listen to miles <laughs> and don gets high he looks into a mirror and then all hell breaks loose yeah because we have a flashback a hell of a flashback so what did we learn in this flashback? He really is a farm boy. He's a farm boy. Well, is he a farm boy? I mean, they're working on a farm. Is it a farm? Yeah, they mentioned that it's a farm. All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got a hope. He's out just digging a random hole. Yeah. He's. I don't think anything was... He was just digging a hole. And then uh, his dad tells him to stop. Yeah. His dad's like, stop digging random ass holes, you fucking weirdo. Is that his dad? Maybe that's the uncle? I think, I don't think that's his dad. Whoever it is. We know the woman is not... Not his mother. His mother. Hobo asks the woman for food and says, the man's like, we're not Christians here no more. Mm -hmm. The hobo tells Dick that he reminds him of himself. And then they go and they're eating at the dinner table. And they're like grilling the hobo. Yeah. Are you a communist? Very like, I love how in all media representation of this time Mm -hmm. period, asking someone if they were a communist was just very laissez-faire. It was just, are you you a communist? Hey, you, you communist? I'm trying to figure out if laissez-faire was the correct word and what the actual word you're thinking of is. Maybe maybe I'm thinking of a different word, but nonchalant, nonchalant. Yeah, maybe blasé. Maybe that. Something of that. Um, it reminds me of the Bob Dylan motorcycle nightmare from 1963, which I'm sure you're familiar with. But <laughs> it's it's uh, a man you pounded on a farmhouse looking for a place to say he was mighty mighty tired. He had come a long long way. He said, "Hey hey, in there is there anybody home?" I was standing on the steps 
feeling most alone. Now came this farmer who must have thought that I was nuts. He immediately looked at me and stuck a gun into my guts. Um, So it's a nightmare about just going to a farmhouse trying to find a place to stay. The farmer's like, don't touch my daughter and in the morning milk the cows is the one rule. And then the daughter at night comes in and tries to seduce him. Mm. And he's like, I can't do it, but I promised your dad I would milk the cows so I can't just leave. And so he says... I love Fidel Castro and his beard. <laughs> and then, like, the farmer goes after him because he's a commie. <laughs> and so that's how he gets out of milking the cows, is by claiming to be a communist. Wow. Yeah, it's... Bob Dylan's great, and I love him. But it's like, that is contemporary with... It's contemporary with when adult Don Draper supposedly is, but child right. Don Draper. Uh, I guess it's just the way it was. So anyway... He's not a communist. He's been a worker. He's from New York. And we know that communists are souls that can't be saved. Right. Well, it was interesting that he's from New York. Yes. um, Because, you know, that's sort of laying the seeds for Donnie. Donnie Mm -hmm. Draper. Yeah. Who's probably admiring. Or, you know, especially later on when he starts talking about, I'm free. I don't got to go home to nobody. Mm -hmm. I faked my own death. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, uh, this is a formative experience for Dick Whitman. Of like, because the only man he seems to know about is his, this, this man that's taking care of him. And as we learn a little later in the episode, he's a whore son. So I don't know if you noticed that, but he grew up in a brothel, is what he grew up in. Is that what that means? His mother was a prostitute. Okay. Is what happened. But that woman's not his mother. That woman is not his mother. His, I get a little bit mixed up on those things. But what it seems to be is that the same working girl had two children by different Johns. Or possibly one children by John, one by that. I need to look up the Don Draper family tree because it it gets murky. So, okay. So if that woman is not his mother... Let's say we take that at face value, but that's literally not his mother because he keeps saying it. And we know Adam is, or she is Adam's mother. Yeah. And Adam and Don are brothers, but I have to believe that the guy on the farm is his dad. Okay. I think that's correct. I think, all right, let's see. I'm just, I'm just going to a... A wiki, just to clear sure. this up. All right, you f- you find this out for us. We need oh. we need to know. So, okay, Don's that is Don's father. Yes. Okay. So I was I was completely wrong what I said earlier. His mother died in childbirth. Mm. And so he lived with his father and his stepmother. Got it. That all right, and then other stuff happened. I don't I think it's no all spoilers. actually cleared up right now. Yeah. But we, I can right. confirm, I don't want to spoil other things. Right. Don't, that, no spoilies. Yes. That is not his fa- mother and it is his father. So. Okay. There we go. We got that sorted. <laughs> yes. That's all we need to know, I guess, at this point. Um, I will say, yes, his mother was a working girl. Okay. So maybe, you know what? Maybe he did. I, there's so much mystery, Don. Why can't you just tell us what your secrets are? Anyway. Gotta stretch it out over how many seasons? Eight? Seven. Eleven, seven. All right. <laughs> you just keep 24. going up. This isn't Big Bang Theory. Okay, um, thank God for I a know, lot right? of reasons. <laughs> uh, his stepmother says that communist souls cannot be saved, and I will say that does echo Ayn Rand in mm. some ways. Even though Ayn Rand didn't really give a shit about small-time farmers, it's all very mixed up. Gotcha. She and she offers the hobo man a coin. And then his dad's like, yeah. A full quarter, a whole quarter, which in the late 30s, probably worth a lot. That was (laughs) $38,000. But his dad's like, I'm going to hold on to this until you've done Mm -hmm. some work. All right. And then flashback to reality. And we've got Sal, who's meeting the pink-shirted Beljoli man in a bar. Mm-hmm. And you know who else is really loves the dreams of traveling in New York? 
hmm. is this pink-shirted man whose name is Elliot. I don't know at what point we find that out, but his name is Elliot. And the pink-shirted Elliot man is like, let's have dinner. Mm-hmm. I have an expense account. I'll treat you. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this? At, at that point, what were you thinking? Well, I mean, I knew almost right away, Belgioli guy wants to hit it. Yeah. And okay. I thought it was going to go down. I was ready for it yeah. to happen. What do you what did you think of Sal up to this point? In regard in in terms of what? Did do you think Sal is gay? Oh, I thought that day one. Okay. Go back and listen to ep one of our podcast my like, homeboy's gay. Cuz he not in, in do the that, in the first ep <laughs> Yeah. In the first episode when they're like they're talking about the bikini models or something. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's just, it's clear that he's gay. Yeah. Okay. Which is why, you know, it's funny that Lois is in love with him yeah. and all these ladies are in love with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Since day one. Girl, I know who is who and what's what. I'm proud of you. All right? <laughs> I just, at, coming from the other side, it's hard for me to tell how well that is concealed. How big of a surprise it is. Right. It's not at all. I don't think so either. So then we go back to the other bar where all the, it's weird, all of these Sterling Cooper people are hanging out at a bar. Well, and it's interesting because Sal said that he was going to go to this party. He had told Lois, oh yeah, Yeah. I'll be at H&R or whatever bar it is. Mm -hmm. But then he ends up in this fancy pants bar. Mm -hmm. Why? So Elliot had mentioned this bar earlier when they were leaving the meeting. And he he was saying... And, and so when Sal shows up there, Elliot's like, I didn't think anyone heard me. Got it. I missed that. And it's almost, here's the thing about, you've got, this is called the hobo code. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about the code that the hobo leaves and right. teaches Dawn. Right. But there's another traveling man who has another code. Yeah. And so Elliot's code of trying to put out those signals, trying mm-hmm. to, you know make it clear that he's interested in other men and if they respond and the, like they're he's playing that dangerous game at this point in in this timeline right and it seems like sal knows how to read that code to, at some level well talking about you know the view from your room well yeah i mean for sure he was inviting him up to his room but like even before I mean, even that before even before they sat down yeah when they're at the bar, like before they get a table and they're just sitting mm-hmm. at the bar and he's talking about how they, how he travels and he always asks for a room with a view mm-hmm. and he loves New York because it's just all these little compartments full of possibilities mm-hmm. like sodomy. Yeah. That is one possibility. Yeah. They're, they're definitely like testing the waters and it seems like Sal goes like he's drawn to keep going far. And he probably knows that he would be safer if he just went and hung out with Lois, but he right. still chooses to right. hang out with Elliot. Right. Because Lois is back and talking to Joan with all the Sterling Cooper people, and Joan is uh, talk shit about Peggy. So she's got a lot going on upstairs, but the only things that happen are what's going on downstairs or something like that. Right. Right. Something like that, which didn't make a ton of sense. I'm wondering if that's like, she might be able to write, but she doesn't have an ass like mine. Maybe. Uh, (laughs) It was also a fun um, juxtaposition of their dancing. So like showing Peggy dancing the salsa. Mm -hmm. Was it the salsa? I think it was the salsa. With one of the guys and then cut to Joan dancing with one of the guys. And it's very different kind of salsa dancing. (laughs) Yeah. Peggy is like dancing as if she's dancing with her dad. Right. With Freddie Rumson, who right. spills his drink and yes. is a mess. I was going to point out, Freddie is a drunk. Uh, <laughs> and then the twist starts playing and everyone just flips oh, their lid. Oh, they freak out. <laughs> they start screaming in the bar. Yes, I love that. <laughs> it's like the Beatles just walked in. Uh-huh. They don't even exist yet. Right? How exciting is that? And then Peggy very seductively twists all the way yes, over to Pete. And Pete's like... You need to be mad and miserable, too. <laughs> he says, I don't like you like this. Mm-hmm. Which the fuck does that mean? Happy? You don't like her happy? That's rude as fuck. I think that's about it, though. Yeah. I think he just wants her to just be a sad little old person like he is. Yeah. Fuck you, murdery Pete. 
And he's sitting there looking real murdery. He's looking real murdery. Again. <laughs> All right. So then, this is going very long. So There was a lot in this app. There's a lot in this app. So we get back to Sal and Elliot at dinner. Elliot's like, you have health and wealth, but are you happy? You're loud, but you're shy. You're loud, but you're shy. I liked when Sal said, if you have to ask yourself if you're happy, then you're not. Mm-hmm. Which I agree with. Yeah. I, I guess. I don't, I don't know. If you're questioning whether or not you're happy, you're probably not happy. Well, I think my take on that was Sal just not wanting to look too deeply into what would make him happy. Well, yeah. Because I, I, my feeling is that it's okay to question if you're happy because, like, you can take a step back and evaluate what would make you happy. And if you're not, and you have all of these things, I don't know. I think questioning is healthy, and I think Sal's in denial. Sal is in denial, and questioning is healthy, but normally you're only questioning if the answer to that question is, no, I'm not happy. And then you have to do the work of figuring out what will make you happy. Because if he were happy and living his best life, he wouldn't even have to ask. He would just be like, oh yeah, this feels great. If you say so, <laughs> I think I think questioning is okay myself. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just yeah. saying when you're questioning, you usually already know the answer. All right. If you say, Elliot drinks Sal's Sambuca and it's very erotic. <laughs> Yes. He like <laughs> grazes his fingers yeah. as he reaches out to grab it. Mm-hmm. And like drinking another man's drink. Yeah. That's something. But Sal flat out rejects him and is like, I know what I want. I have thought about it and I know what I want. But what is it, Sal? What do you want? I don't know. Nellie asks him, what are you afraid of? And Sal's like, are you joking? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe losing everything? Right. Poor Sal. Poor Sal. Poor all gay people in 1960. Yeah. And still today. Yeah. Also, in so many places. Right. So that, it doesn't work out for either of them. But Sal is definitely kind of gone. He's taken a risk, even so. Sal seems very hurt. Yeah. I think this is the first time we've seen him. I mean, it's definitely mm-hmm. the first time we've seen him try to confront this issue or these feelings. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that he wants to... Yeah. He wants to go down this lane. Yeah. But is not going to allow himself. Yeah, he's not strong enough. Poor Sal. Poor Sal. So back to Midge the Art Bitch's apartment. The hippies are all conga hopping, is what I wrote. (laughs) (laughs) And then an ambulance pulls up, and they're like, ah, probably domestic violence. Yep. Let's just stay inside. Yep. And then Don... Takes a picture of Midge and then flashes back to his hobo again. Yeah, we're back with the hobo. And it's this is when it's nighttime. Yeah. Right? And he goes and sees a mud on the porch. Yeah. There was Tells a lot he's of, gotta say his prayers. A lot of references to God mm-hmm. in this episode. And, yeah. And Christianity in general, right? The whole Jesus thing mm-hmm. uh, with Belle Jolie. And then mm-hmm. the dad saying, we're not Christians here no more. Mm-hmm. But the mom being very, like, seeming very Christian, the Mm -hmm. stepmom or whoever she is. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of references to Christianity in general. And then then the hobo saying, you know, praying won't help you from this place. Which seems like another, uh, I bet no one had told Dick Whitman before that praying wouldn't help him. (laughs) Uh, And that he would have to do something else to get out of where he was. Yeah. And that's when that's when Dix says he's a whore child. Yep. And that's when uh, the the hobo goes on his monologue about being a gentleman of the rails. He says, death came to find me. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, is alluding to this idea that he faked his death and kind of just ran, ran away from being a dad and a husband and a whatever. Now I have a question for you. Ask it. Does he say he faked his death? No, he says death came to find me. And you think that means he faked his death. That's what I think. I think that's how you end up a man on the rails. If you once had a mortgage and a wife and kids and all that. I'm Because my thought is, if it's 1932 and you live and you take a train six states over, no one's looking for you. I just figured he left. Hmm. But I don't well, know. Well, then, then what do you think is the meaning behind death came to find me? 
I think it's that he just felt like there was no life for him there. Like it, he was, he was in prison with his family and his job and his life and his mortgage. And now he's living life. And he said, because he says, death came to find me. I freed myself. Now I sleep like a stone. I freed myself. See, I took that to mean death came to find me. I freed myself. So I faked my fucking death. Like, that's a very, that sounds great. Maybe that's true. <laughs> I just don't know where textually that is. All right. That's that's how I interpreted it. And maybe he did. Maybe he did. He's talking real, like, big. He talks big. Mm-hmm. And so who knows what he really means. Right. And he says, if death was coming any place, it's here. So death is coming to find them here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he makes Don, or he makes Dick, an honorary hobo. And teaches him the code that the hobos leave for each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm a sorry. Pie. Are you bored by this conversation? I'm not at all bored. I didn't get any sleep last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the pie. Which means there's food. There's good food. What's the dog mean? The There's an angry dog. Oh, yeah. On the premises. That makes sense. That weird, like, sickle is a dishonest mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. And then tell a sad story. Oh, yeah. The oval with the three little triangles mm-hmm. is tell a sad story. We just learned a little bit about his code. And then, snapback. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, Hippie Roy has dirty feet. So dirty. It was real gross. So gross, so <laughs> dirty. I've noticed that with Midge before, too. Yeah. Yep. That's just what... They're making them hippies. Those bohemian Them bohemians have had, uh, nasty-ass feet. Uh... And then Don reviews the photo he took and is like, oh, I see what's happening. Midge is in love. Oh, we went from a, a hobo to the bohos. <laughs> I see what they did there. Oh. That's a really good, that's a really good that catch. Was, that was a really good analysis that it. I just did. Yeah. Um, and then everyone starts attacking Don again. Yeah. Because love is bourgeois. And don't defend the ad man. That's what I wrote. The universe is indifferent. Mm-hmm. I loved when he was like, the universe is indifferent. And then the other guy was like, why would you say that, man? <laughs> <laughs> so he tells them to stop talking and actually make something of themselves. Which is very Ayn Randy. Right. Um... And he tells them there's no big lie or system. The universe is indifferent, which is also pretty Ayn Randy. And once again, Midge says, I'm not going to Paris, Don. And so Don just gives her the money. Okay, but here's my question. Yeah. Why doesn't she want to go to Paris? Because she's in love with Roy. All right. I think that's it. All right. To, to me. All right. I mean, I would go to Paris. I would go to Paris in a heartbeat. I wouldn't care. Who with or... Right. Because it just... I don't know. It doesn't... If if she's still okay seeing Don in general and having him come mm-hmm. by and having their little escapades... Yeah. And she is this bohemian, fly by the seat of her pants, go where the mm-hmm. wind takes you. The wind's trying to fucking take you to Paris. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if this is going to be the end of Don and Midge. It's a good question. That's my prediction. It's an early prediction. Yeah. We're not in that segment yet, but... All right. Hold on to it. I'm holding it. Yeah, it's like the the people around her and, yeah, the, the boho byline, that's not what that word means, uh, is that <laughs> is what that guy says, his love is bougie, bourgeois, right. whatever. And so it's not, you know, there are the free love vanguard, but in reality, Midge is actually attached. Yeah. Whatever she says. Right. And so then they're like, you can't go out there, man. The cops are there. And Don's right. like, fuck you guys. You can't go out there. I can go out there. Yeah, I have no problem. I love that. The yeah. cops, you can't go out there. And he says, you can't. And mm-hmm. he just leaves. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. That was, um... And oh. I loved he opens the door and the cop's just like, Sir? Good evening, Good sir. Good evening, sir. <laughs> Would you like some great poupon? <laughs> Excuse me while we take away this domestic abuser. Uh, please, uh, could you please get that wife-beating man out of the hallway? There's a gentleman in our presence. <laughs> That's how cops in New York used to talk. It is. 
Mm-hmm. You nailed it. And then Don goes home and is like, Bobby, yeah. <laughs> wake up, Bobby, get up, ask me something. That was weird. And Bobby's like, will there ever be a boy born that can swim faster than a shark? <gasps> That's not really what he says. That's not what he says. <laughs> but it is some dumb little kid question. He says, why do lightning bugs light up? <laughs> That's what he says. Mine was a quote from the British office. Yeah, Don is like, has one of those moments where he's like, I want to be a good parent. And and also, I think, wants to, he wants to tell people what his real history is. Right. So and I there's think, no one else he will. Mm-hmm. Right. He really wanted Bobby to ask him some kind of real question. Yeah. And then gets yeah. like, you know, downhearted when he's like, mm-hmm. why is the sky blue, dad? Exactly. Yeah, and it's like, well, obviously, Bobby's like four years old. He's not going right. to ask, like, who really were your parents? Right, right. And Don knows that. Like, he knows right. that it would take an older person to ask that. But an older person, he would feel more guarded against. He's so, right. He won't tell the truth to anybody yeah, else. He's too scared. Yeah. He's not afraid of cops, but he's afraid of everyone else. Mm-hmm. He's afraid of the truth. So then... Our last moment with the hobo. The hobo leaves, and Don's dad doesn't give him that coin. He's a dishonest man. And that's what he marks the post, and Don goes and sees it, and he's like, Whoa? Wait, I just don't hate my father? He's actually dishonest, according to other people? So did the hobo mark it, or was it already marked? Because hmm. how could he have marked it that quickly? Because he just takes off. And then mm-hmm. Dick Whitman moves the, you know, the, the bush away. Yeah. And it doesn't look freshly carved. It looks old. It's all darkened on the inside. So I got the impression that it had already been marked. And Mm -hmm. Dick Whitman is like, oh, shit. You really are a dishonest man because not only did Mm -hmm. this just happen, but this has been here a minute. This hobo code. That's an interesting possibility that I'll have to ask Reddit about. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, I mean, it definitely didn't look freshly carved. And it didn't seem like enough time had passed. Mm Mm-hmm. For him to have carved that. Yeah. Unless he carved it in the night, like the night before. Yeah, but it was, but it was like, the evidence that he was dishonest was that morning when he right. reneged on his promise. Right. And there was like a moment where we didn't see the hobo, but I don't know. Yeah. What we do know is that it's a language Don can speak now. And it was a revelation about his father as being yeah. more than just someone making his life miserable, but actually objectively a bad person right and then uh back to another morning at the office pete is not there when peggy gets there she comes in early again Mm-hmm. maybe i can get a little smoochy smooch that's before. what she's open for Mm-hmm. uh and then he ignores her and then it just ends with like this volume escalating of phones ringing and typewriters typing and talking and then it gets really close on don draper's name on his office door. yeah that was interesting is that a hobo code? Is that the oh. sign left on his his post? Oh, shit. Is that Don Draper lives here? Is that another version of a sickle? Yeah, right. Is he a dishonest man? I mean, we, we know that to be true. I don't know he's a dishonest man. Hobos didn't have a code for philanderer lives here. No. Mm. Yeah, that was interesting. I wondered that, too, because that's the first time that they've done something sort of that um, frenetic. Yeah, it was... It was a lot. Um, I'll also say him giving $2,500 to a hippie is not an Ayn Randian thing to do. Mm. There is a moment in Atlas Shrugged when a rich man writes a check to, I think, his sister because she kept asking him for a charity donation. Mm -hmm. And he's like, fine, here's a bunch of money. And then she's like, you didn't really mean it when you gave us this money. So it doesn't count as being charitable. And... I don't know if that's related to this or not. Interesting. I'm just saying. That's an interesting concept in general. Oh, yeah. The the Atlas Shrug idea is that it's, it's, it's kind of puts people in a you're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't mm. situation mm-hmm. when you're giving money. But yeah, there's a lot of, what did you say, taking things by force. Mm-hmm. There were secret codes. Mm-hmm. A lot of Jesus talk. A lot of the Lord. Um... It's good up. <laughs> I like it a lot. There was a, I mean, there was a lot to digest in that one. Yeah. It was heavy in a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. 
that don't it's like there were so many spinning plates in this one right because even like joan had her own weird thing going on that we're never quite sure what it is right right she's hardly in this episode at all but she's very like strong in the Mm -hmm. few lines that she does have Mm -hmm. she's being very forceful Mm-hmm. And you have Lois just out of the blue who kind of sets up Sal. And it, it starts off as like, oh, here, this is going to be some kind of office romance, right. maybe. But then it really just turns into Sal confronting or being confronted with his sexuality. Right. And making that explicit and kind of where he stands. Because he could be, you know, a businessman who has a social life that he's just hiding. But right. now we know he just talks to his mother and doesn't participate in what in the possibilities that Elliot sees in New York right and then you know officially Peggy and Pete cheat on Trudy now that they're officially married yeah and then of course old Donnie boy and we see Bobby but no Betty no Betty and no the other one the daughter Sally Sally mm-hmm. yeah that was interesting that there was no Betty at all mm-hmm. they'll do that yeah so uh, they're not afraid to leave because no Roger either right yeah, this was very heavily focused on just a few core mm-hmm. relationships or characters. They weren't totally... They kind of pass in the night, but it's like they don't all wind up as one big group scene at the end. Right. It's good at... <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. I'm gonna give it... I'm gonna give that one... Uh, eight out of ten vodka tonics. <laughs> okay. I feel like that's... Someone said things on that episode. I am very much in favor of you giving <laughs> a rating to each episode. Okay. And I am not going to enforce a consistent rating scale. Oh, good. Good. Because <laughs> it won't stay the same. Thank God. <laughs> that one gets 8 out of 10 gin and tonics. Yeah. Oh, it's changed from vodka to gin. That's good. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that it's changed even within seconds <laughs> of the initial <laughs> estimation. <laughs> And it also doesn't have to do with the Sambuca with the flies in the glass, the coffee beans. When Sal is drinking it, he first talks about how there's like three espresso beans or whatever in the bottom oh, of a Sambuca. I didn't even know. And it's that. supposed to be flies. Why? That's gross. Because uh, romance people do weird stuff. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. The Italians and the Spaniards and the okay, other sure, Mediterraneans, sure, sure. they have... The romance people. Yeah. Okay. They speak romance languages. They do. I'm with you now. I I followed. I picked it up along the way. That train was running by. (laughs) And like a hobo, I just hopped right on. There you go. I had faith. (laughs) All right. So for season one, episode nine, there's only, I think, four episodes left in the season. season one. All right. All right. Uh, So we're getting into the home stretch here. What are your predictions for next episode. All right. Now, listen, we've kind of gone off the rails here with some of these storylines. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say Peggy uh-huh. continues her upward zeal and her clamor for power and respect. Um, namely by, I think she's going to, I think she's going to slap Pete in the face. <laughs> I like that. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to say some bitch ass thing and she's going to be like, mm-hmm. you bitch ass. And she's going to slap him hard across yeah. the left cheek with her right hand. Oh, we're specific. Yeah. I, I, I feel like, would you accept anyone slapping Pete at this point? Yes. I All would, right. I would count that as a win. Yeah. I think that's just like, just. For the fans, can we get mm-hmm. some Pete slap action here? Yeah. Um, so that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, good old Donnie boy. Donnie and Art Bitch Midge are done. I don't think we're going to see her again. At least not okay. for a while. Yeah. Maybe right. not until the very end of the season. Maybe mm-hmm. not until a future season. Okay. She ain't going to be there next up. Okay. Is my guess. Betty's going to come back. Mm-hmm. She's going to be... Uh huh. I can't, I can't I wait can't to hear say, this. I can't say that. Oh, um, okay. Betty is going to be. 
just uh-huh. drunk. She's just, yeah. she's just gone off the deep end. She's having more mm-hmm. and more midday glasses of wine mm-hmm. in an attempt yeah. to dull her feelings. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, she's just gonna. I think she's gonna drunk drive, maybe. Oh, all right. But she's gonna have some sort of altercation with somebody because she's wasted. Maybe it's Don. Mm-hmm. Maybe okay. oh here's what it is. Don comes home. Dinner isn't made. Okay. It's yeah. not on the table waiting for him because that bitch is wasted. Mm-hmm. Um and Sterling will come back and try to seduce Joan, but she's over it. She's moved on. Okay. She and Mama Sterling are in cahoots. Okay. They are um, they are scheming. All right. So they're they're coming at it from both sides. Right. On old Raji boy. And that's why she was like, put her right through. Mm-hmm. I'm not we, even his secretary, but... We have to plan schemes for... Exactly. Well, I mean, what other explanation could there be? She's not Roger's secretary. Why would she need to talk to Mama Sterling? For cahoots. For cahoots purposes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Precisely. And what lingo are we going to hear All right. in this next episode? All right. I looked up a little list of 60s lingo to help me out a little bit. Oh, that's fun. Um, okay. I think that some... Oh, somebody is gonna burn rubber. So is the lingo just... Is, like, the phrase burn rubber? Is yeah. What we're saying? Or... Okay. Or... They're, um... <laughs> um... Give me some skin. Okay. <laughs> so, all of a sudden, they're gonna be... In a funk band in 1968. Yeah. Yep, yep, <laughs> okay, yep. cool. Yep, yep. I look forward to that yep. development. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, this has been a great episode of Mad Men and a great episode of Mad, Mad Women. Mad Women. And until next time, happy Mad Men, merry Mad Men mm. to all. <laughs> and to all, all, a good a night. good Mad Men. I did it wrong every time. Thank you for listening to Mad Women. Mad Women is engineered by Ashley Davis, music by Kate E. Britt, and graphics by Dylan Anderson. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RadMadWomen. Production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.